everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. It is Super Bowl Sunday here, and it's a, it's a super conversation. I think I can say that. Delighted on this episode to be talking with comics creator, writer, Ron Fortier. Ron, thank you for jumping in, joining, and talking with me for a few minutes. Well, thanks you for having me, Jason. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Absolutely. I'll mention a couple of titles that folks out there might know you for, and then we'll also talk about some current work that you're doing. So uh, you are connected with a character by the name of the Green Hornet, very popular character, Captain Hazard, uh, the Phantom, the Spider, and, and a, a host of other pulp characters. So by means of the first question, I'm curious about what it was about comics and pulps that connected you as a reader and as a writer. All right. Uh, the, the common answer to, to both the genres is, is really storytelling. I, I think I've had an affinity for stories uh, ever since I was a child. I mean, you, you grow up and, you know, your parents read you fairy tales and, and, and the common things, et cetera. And I, I, I guess I've always had an appetite for stories, for more and more stories. So much so that even even in my younger years, when I was maybe, I, I remember seven or eight years old, of making up my own stories and entertaining the neighborhood kids on summer nights by sitting on the back porch and making up stories, ghost stories, to you know, chill them a little bit or whatever, right? I had an I had a knack for that, and, and it it's never dissipated. Um, you know, I, I'm a ferocious reader to this day. I love watching films, television series, and have a much better uh, how should you say radar for storytelling and how it happens, uh, what puts it together, what's good storytelling, and what's bad storytelling. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm curious about what that process is then like for you as the writer between comics and prose. How, how do you kind of go back and forth between those two worlds? Well, I, I really started uh, professional writing as a comic book writer. And it, oddly enough, uh, but when I had started, which we're going back now into the mid-70s of actually writing scripts and submitting it to various comic publishers, there were no, you know, hard and fast books out there uh, where you could find things as the, the proper way to format a script for comics, et cetera. And most of these things I learned on the fly, on, on the job training, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that comes from, you know, uh, by that time, almost uh, years and years, 20 years, 20 some odd years of reading comic books and, and just intuitively understanding the process so that it's a rigid format. And when you work comics, you have to understand eventually that there are two storytellers involved. And the magic of comics, the challenge of comics, is merging those two sensibilities. One, the literate, you write a script, and the other one, the visual, the artist tells the story with his art, with his drawings and the panels from page to page. In reality, He's the primary storyteller. People buy comics. They want to look at the pictures. Whereas you as the writer create the skeleton. The artist puts on the sinews, the muscle, the blood, and whatever, and that's what people see. So it teaches you an economy of words 
Now, years later, I mean, I've been a professional comic writer for maybe 30, 35 years before I even had the thought of maybe I, you know, like to dabble in prose and started writing short stories. And the first thing I realized in that gap, the difference between the two is that the, the structure is way, way looser in writing prose. Because then again, I'm not constricted to try and understand how the artist is going to accept what I'm putting forth. I'm free. I'm I'm the all-being of this particular story. And so what I find fascinating about prose writing is, even though I'll have an outline or whatever, the muse works a whole lot freer when you're writing prose. I could be writing something that, in my mind or imagination, when I began pecking away at, at, at the keys, ultimately changes in the process of my doing it. I'll have an idea that'll come out of nowhere and changes a paragraph or a page, and I just keep moving along. This is something you can't do with a comic script. Comic script, again, has to be very uh, formulated. You have to know what's going to go in the panel and direct your artist accordingly. Yeah, you know, that's... It's really interesting to to think about making those decisions as a creator. And I know that you've created with some very popular, well-known characters that have been around for decades, as well as some new worlds too. So, so what has that been like to work with both the popular characters, but then getting the chance to kind of tell your own story world? Well, they both offer challenges, obviously, uh, Regardless, I mean, the, the similar goal for me as a writer always, and, and it's top uh, in my mind, regardless of what I'm doing, is to entertain my readers. Now, when I've been lucky enough to work on, as you say, classic characters like the Green Hornet, uh, I'm one of those people who, you know, loves story, loves literature, loves the history of comics. So I don't approach writing copyrighted characters uh, you know, with a cavalier attitude of, oh, I'm just going to give, you know, people my own thoughts or versions of this. I think that's highly disrespectful to what's come first. And so in doing the Green Hornet, uh, I spent a great deal of time researching the old radio program. Uh, you know, with our technology today, I was able to download a lot of those radio episodes and listen to them. I managed to get my hands on some of the uh, the two universal uh, cliffhanger serials that had been made, I believe, in 1940, 1941. And then I read the, uh, the Gold Key comics and was a big fan of the 60s television series. So before even writing, you know, word one of a proposal package, uh, I studied the character. I studied uh, how he had been written, the stories that had been told, what had been done before, and saw the potential of what we could do and move forward with that, never disregarding it. Now, when it comes time to creating your own characters, that the other challenge is is maybe even greater in that if I'm writing The Green Hornet, there's almost an established audience out there. Now, don't get me wrong. They can be highly critical if you get it wrong, but they're, they're waiting. You have a fan base. When you create your own characters, that's starting from scratch and you have no ideas going in. Hopefully that people who buy this and read it, are going to enjoy what you're giving them. So again, both have their different sets of challenges. One, you have to do your homework. 
The other one, you have to hopefully come up with something new, original, put a spin on an old genre, and hope you catch the imagination of your readers. Love it, love it. I, I was going to mention, it sounds like you have to do your homework, and I know that you are currently involved in a project with Silverline. Uh, I've had Roland Mann on the show, as well as Barbara Kelberg and uh, Peter Clinton and some folks from that team. So, uh, and of course, I'll, I'll also link the Kickstarter campaign in the show description and when I post this online, but curious about what you can tell us about this current creating that you're doing. Well, all right, thank you. Uh, I'm involved with a six-issue science fiction miniseries uh, entitled Beyond the Stars. And this actually all came about, uh, again, because of tech, today's technology. Uh, a year ago, a little over a year and a half ago, I was surfing the web one night and literally found uh, some art pages, comic book sequential pages, six of them, involving a science fiction style scenario, but without any dialogue or captions. And the art was the uh, creation of an Italian artist named Andrea Bormita. I was so taken by the artwork that I left a comment to the effect of, this is really beautiful work. Uh, what's the story behind it? Well, within 24 hours, Andrea responded, having recognized my name as, as a professional comic book writer, and basically said, well, it's something I was doodling with. As I got to know Andrea, he himself is a 35-year professional graphic illustrator who lives in a little town outside of Rome and has worked for most of the European comic companies. So here he was. He had drawn this little five-page little story with these two characters, and he had a vague idea of what he'd like to do with it. And turns around and said, would you like to see that? And of course, of course I would. I said, I'm, I'm most intrigued. So sure enough, he emails me this half a page, Jason, of, of a plot <laughs> idea. Basically what had happened was, oh, he also sent me character sketches. Andrea had done all the uh, seven or eight really beautiful character sketches. He had that little five-page sequence but no story. Hmm. So for, for me, it was like reverse engineering. Mm -hmm. I had to look at what he had done in the five, in the five pages, right. And work my way back. He had, he had nailed what I consider one of the, one of the principal uh, elements of good storytelling. And that's conflict in this little sequence. He had a spaceship flying with a character. It lands on a planet. There are ruins on the planet. The character walks through the ruin and gets attacked by another character. And they have this fight with, like, his own version of laser swords. And that's basically what he drew. Mm -hmm. So I, I had to figure out who these characters were, why the conflict, and work that way backwards. Plus, like I said, the half-page ideas he had jumbled together. I ended up writing, like, a two-page concept of what the story could be, who the villains would be. I even went as far as suggesting additional characters plus the ones he'd already illustrated and had, and even suggested changing one or two of his figures into alien beings. Mm. And, and I sent that off to him. And this is this, this the kind of, kind of test thing. One of the most important things about comic creation, and I'm sure you've heard your other guests say this, all right, is faith and trust in your partner 
<laughs> now, if I was stepping on his toes, then Andrea would have let me know, and maybe none of this would have gone anywhere. As it turns out, within a day, he replied to me saying he absolutely loved the treatment that I cooked up. Would I be willing to write it? And he'd be only too happy to illustrate it. And hopefully we could find a home for it. Well, as serendipitous as that is, I had been in talks with Roland Mann at Silverline about possibly doing something for them. I immediately took those five pages that Andrea had initially done. I sent them to Roland and a little explanation of what I've just referred to. Roland got back to me, I think, within two or three hours after seeing the artwork and said, Ron, I'm telling you right now, keep this to 22 pages. And you've got a deal, Silverline, be only too happy to publish this. So here we go. Uh, this will be Andrea's first, it is Andrea's first American published comic. We've already successfully held Kickstarter campaigns for issues one and two. We're currently running the campaign for issue three, which brings us halfway to conclusion. Andrea's in the middle of illustrating book number four. And last week I finished writing scripts number five and six. Oh, fantastic. I, I love that story of collaboration. Glad to share about the project. Um, as we're kind of closing out our conversation, uh, I'll share the link, but any other spaces where people can go that uh, would like to follow along with your work, as well as any other projects that you'd like to mention? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, people can find me. I have a uh, a blog site, if you will, called uh, Airship 27 www.airship27.com, uh, and I post that every Friday morning, keeping people abreast of the things I'm doing. Uh, other projects I'm currently involved with, and there's a slew of them, but the top of the list basically is uh, I'm doing a new Crimson Nun miniseries for Ben Dunn at Antarctic Press. Nice, uh -huh. nice. Yeah, uh, I'm doing uh, a thing called uh, the Boston Bombers Volume 2. It's an alternate world pulp-style adventure. And uh, still maintaining, in oh, yeah, this, if, if I don't men mention this, my wife will shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> There's an artist named Cesar Feliciano out of Florida. And he and I are doing a spy thriller uh, series called Gin and Tonic, which we hope to have issue one out by the end of this year. Fantastic. Well, you are a busy, busy person, and I appreciate you taking some time to talk with me. Is there anything that we've missed in the talk through before we close out? No, no, not not at all. Uh, again, uh, except well, well, let me add that maybe some of you listeners will will find this amusing to, to a certain degree. Uh, I've I've been writing comics and whatnot now for over fifty years. I'm seventy seven now, Jason, and. <laughs> And it, it 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 stuns me. Let me just say that. All right, I've all I've always seen this ability to tell stories as a gift from God. I truly believe that. Uh, and for whatever reason, He wants me around telling more stories, and I could not be happier. It's a special time in my life, and I hope I'm meeting that essential goal of the stories that I tell, are positive stories that make make this world a little bit of better place for everyone to live in. I love that idea. And once more, thank you so much, Ron, and, and such a delight to talk with you. Same here, Jason. Thank you again.